0: It's never too early. Go to Hobby Lobby. They put their stuff up in June, so I'm good. I know there's purists who think that you can't do this until the day after Thanksgiving. There are some of you that will point out, well, hey, it's still October. It's not even November. And to both of you, I would point out that the Grinch is not green. Yet here we are. True story. This is the season when people start thinking about joy. And it starts, I think, earlier and earlier because we seem to have less and less of it. Um, we're going to spend the, the next several weeks, probably through the end of the year, um, looking at the things that attempt to steal my... Joy, and just to be clear, this is a cliche phrase. I know, it's such a cliche phrase that this is one of those phrases that people actually think is in the Bible, and it's not. Right? It's kind of like the like uh, the the most often you look at the most often misquoted things, like uh, Darth Vader. Right? Luke, I'm your father. It's not in there. Right? Elementary, my dear Watson. Read his books. It's not in there. Right? But, but, but these things, that, they get repeated, and, and we think that they're in there. though think the concept is kind of there. Uh, the, the concept of things that steal joy from us is in the Scriptures, and we're going to be uh, looking at, at some of these. What we're going to be looking at today, uh, depending on your personality, one or both of these will be true. And you might tend towards one. Maybe you've kind of experienced both. But these are common things that steal our joy, and we're going to be, begin. Am I on here? There we go. In Isaiah 43, we're going to. Uh, some of these passages are longer, so we're going to. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at these in the, the scriptures itself. Um, maybe referring to just some of the individual passages. Isaiah 43, beginning. Verse 10 through verse 19. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. Understand that I am He, and before me there was no God formed, nor will there ever be after me. I, yes I, am the Lord, and uh, besides me there is no Savior. I have declared, and I have saved, and I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witness, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am He, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? This says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. And thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they will not get up. They are extinguished there, extinguished like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Do you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so on and so forth. The past robs us so often of our joy. He says, remember not, and it's one part of this, the former things. Do not consider... The things of old now <clears throat> they had a problem, uh, and their, their problem was I think the common problem as I say we 're going to look at two sides of these, depending on on who you are, you might more identify with one of these than the other we 're going to look first at the common one and when and there are numerous passages in this in the scripture that kind of focus on this element, and I think it 's because it 's the common element of this that that we tend to look at the past as better. Right? And, uh, again, it's not universal. Dwelling on the past makes it impossible to see what's going on now. And that's a danger of my past. How many times had Israel dwelt on the past? Well, this is the, the problem with memory. They had left Egypt, just one occasion of dwelling on the past. They, 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 they thought a lot about the past, but there's one particular moment in time where, where they're, they're cornered, and they remember the past, and they remember onions. Remember when we had onions. Like, do you forget the massacres? Did you forget the hard labor and, and, and building without straw and all this stuff? No, hey, we had onions. <laughs> uh, that convenient memory. Here they are again and, 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 and Isaiah saying, listen, he's warning them because he knows what's coming. Well, I don't know how specifically he knows what's coming, but, but God knows what's coming for sure. Don't think about the past things and here's what's going to happen. They're going to go into Babylon. That's what this passage is about and, and how he's going to start making things new and better. And, and there were people, uh, the scriptures tell us that, that when that, that they came out of Babylon, after 70 years, of course, do the math. So, so if you survived the whole trip, you're a pretty old person. And the Bible they came back, and they, the first thing they did, they, they, re, they started rebuilding the foundations of it. And it just, it's just really rudimentary. And old people that remembered the glory of the first temple started yelling and screaming and crying. It's not even done yet, right? But they could tell from the foundations this is just not going to be Solomon's temple, it's just not going to get there. Now they had to be like 10 years old, you know, when they left. I don't know if you re- remember things from when you were 10 years old. You ever gone to back to somewhere where you were when you were like 8 or 10 years old? I remember our church building uh, when I was 8 or 10 years old. And uh, it was a house. Uh, and it was, there was like a little house and there was a parsonage. And I've been back there. Uh, the whole thing is a house. Now we built the in 1984 or something. They 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 built the church building a, that bigger because we grew out of that, and uh, and they built a wall. They divided our church building, made it a part of this house, and it's still part of the church property. It's the parsonage now. The whole thing is, and they, they put a wall in what and and it, so that they would have two rooms. It's uh, the preacher's office and stuff. And he was a good buddy of mine, and I went in here. And I'm like, it's two rooms. It's like two of our classrooms downstairs. Take knock out a wall. That was our church building. It was huge when I was a kid. We ran around in there. <laughs> hey, so, so our memories, like, oh, that was remember the glory days. I'm like, hey, that's crazy. Our brains, especially when we're kids, don't don't always like remember realistically. But even as adults, sometimes we we get to uh, this point where we we romanticize what was we are prone to the same behavior you notice we don't have an english phrase the bad old days we don't have that phrase it's not our tendency to think worse about what was i mean I, if you live through really 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 bad times this yes. But even then sometimes. I moved to Texas as a 12-year-old boy. Some of you are from Texas. I apologize. Not, not for you, but for me. I hate it. I hate it largely because I brought a lot of things on myself. Right? Uh, that, that was a problem. Uh, but... Um, Some of the things I didn't. Uh, My my mom, we, we didn't have hardly any friends. She got in with a group of people that weren't probably the best friends to have. One of them was selling drugs out of our house. There came a time where one of those men that did that wasn't paying his supplier, apparently. On one particular day my mom came into the room and threw me in the closet and said, do not come out. We were out of Texas about a week and a half later. I tell you that because I don't remember that event. Like that is not a part of my existence. My mom told me that story. A couple of years ago. I'm like, what happened? Are you kidding me? I don't remember. I mean, I didn't like Texas, but I don't remember that. Like, Our brains are, are programmed to, to block out some things. For our benefit, I suppose. But, but that's the way they, they tend to work. Glory days. Things were better. Ah, but Massachusetts, that was ideal. I remember snow days. Awesome. Snow days were the best. Listening the night before and listening to the radio, hoping that your name is is of your town is going to get called. Now let me tell you something. When you go to a thing called Worcester Public Schools, you gotta wait a while. You get through that whole list. He's right? like, oh man, W's. And then you hear Worcester Public Schools, two-hour delay. Ah right, uh, so, so sometimes anticlimactic, but I remember the excitement, right? I remember, I remember falling asleep listening to Christopher Cross, because my mom would let us, yeah, like, I, yeah, you like, what, yeah, that was, like, like I, I listened to that light music, and I remember falling asleep to that, I remember, like, weird, odd things that romanticized this period of time for me. And I don't remember never having new clothes. I mean, it's in there. I don't remember having hamburger helper without the hamburger. You ever have that? That was a supper in 1980. I don't remember. My brain filters that out and idealizes 1980. That's the way our our brains work. God says, don't remember the past... Don't idealize it. Because it will steal your joy if you focus on how wonderful things were when, they, quite frankly, they weren't that wonderful. You're going you're gonna to idealize the past Israel and you're going to forget all of the idol sacrifices and all the horrible crimes that were committed. Don't let it steal your joy because I'm about to do a new thing. And if you're so focused on the past, you're going to miss it. The past steals joy. Now there's another way that that works. When I was a kid, there's that element, right? There's that element that loves to talk about how bad it was. Boy, you don't know nothing. Obviously, if God doesn't want us remembering how great things were, he, He really wants us to think about how awful things were. That will make me feel better. So, one type of person whitewashes the past, and the other type of person emphasizes all the negative things from their past. Jeremiah chapter 1. And there's a lot of directions we could go, and we don't have time to go in all those directions, so we're just going to maybe be general and go in one. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So I said, Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak. I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth. You shall go to everyone I send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, I put my words in your mouth. I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to root out and pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. A lot of times we focus on our inadequacy from my past. My inabilities, my failures. Observing people, I see... Young people who are fearless, right? You see kids who are just fearless, and then I see young people who exhibit Jeremiah's hesitance. There's both kinds of people. All of us have failed when we were younger at something, and I think in those who dwell on it, there's other factors probably. Uh, Maybe uh, there's someone who constantly reminds them of it. Or maybe it's the other, maybe it's in a different way, just there was no one uh, to remind us of success as well. It wasn't that someone directly had to say, you were a screw-up. But maybe just there was no one there to put it into perspective. And that can be destructive as well. And so, as kids, we're, we're left to our own analysis of things. And as we see, our perspective isn't good. We, we look back and we, things are out of perspective when you go back and look at things for, with, with adult eyes. And you're like, oh, that was real. That was, no, it wasn't. It was completely a warped idea of reality. Well, the same is true in our lives. If, if, if kids are left to come to their own conclusions and develop their opinions about what have happened, be they successes or failures, you can, you can end up with an immature concept of, of reality. This is why it's so important for adults to, to give proper perspective as kids are growing up. And so the past steals my joy in this sense. This this focus on the negative in three ways. There are three ways. Uh, First of all, it's a characterization, it tells me not just that I failed at something, but that I am a failure. There's a difference in those two things. Okay, I failed. That doesn't mean you're a failure. That doesn't mean you're destined to be that thing. It just means this attempt wasn't good. We, we, We try it again. We do it better. Do not let the past characterize you. If you dwell on the past and past failure, you will characterize yourself. And allow others to characterize you. Let the past simply be a statement of what I did. And nothing more than that. The second lie is the lie of limitation. This happened, so therefore you can never do greater. Why? Explain the connection between those two statements. There's there's no, there's no real... Logical connection between those two things. A thing has been or hasn't doesn't mean it can't be. This is a failure of the past. This is something that didn't quite turn out the way I wanted it to. That does not mean it can't turn out the right way in the future. That's a lie. And the past steals my joy through this lie because I can never do this now. Why would I even try? And it isolates me. Focus on my past tells me I am unique in my failure. No one has screwed up like you, boy. (laughs) No one can understand that. These are the lies of the past, and these lies steal my joy. I want to turn to, then, how we defeat this. I I don't want to let these just be statements that we leave with and say, well, good luck. This is it. These things steal your joy. Have a nice day. But I want to look at perspectives, then, that defeat the past. When it attempts to steal this joy. Ecclesiastes, Chapter Seven, and <clears throat> verse ten through fourteen. Just a little bit of it there, but. <clears throat> It says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely in this matter. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, profitable to those who see the sun. It's going to sound like it skips around a little bit, and we'll kind of get back to a, rele- a relevant point. It says, uh, wisdom is a defense as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he's made crooked? In the day of prosperity, you will be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider this, that surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. So I want to talk about one perspective, and that is balance. In the day of adversity, consider this, that God has made one as the other. And he's talking about success and failure, the positives and the negatives, or the crooked and the straight. And, again, he's primarily dealing with our tendency as humans to idealize the past and say, well, why are things awful now compared to the past? But it's a principle here. It's a general, he bases this on a general principle that applies either way. And we look at failure is bad, success is good, right? Well, it's built right into the words, so obviously... But here he says, God allows both to happen. Sometimes God makes things crooked. What? Yes. And for whatever reasons he has it, sometimes it's that way. Times of plenty. Times of lack. God works all of these things or allows them to happen and all of them can achieve something positive. And he understands best which one to allow. Regardless of which tendency my character is to idealize the past or to, to really look at the past as this horrible thing and today is just all wonderful. Whichever one it is, the same truth applies That you have to have balance in how you look at reality. Otherwise, your joy is going to be stolen. You have to consider the work of God, he says. Consider the work of God. And that's where we we get to the next point evaluation. Philippians chapter 3. There's an extended text, and sometimes we rip one verse out of it, and it's a good verse, but I'd like to read it really within its entire context. Philippians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse 4. It is as though I might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he can have confidence in the flesh, well, I'm even more so. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning my passion, I persecuted the church. And concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. But whatever things... Were gain to me, I have counted these things as a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I consider it to be trash, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, that that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to this death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it, or that I'm already perfect, but I press on so that I can lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not consider myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal, the prize, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, And so, let us, as many as are mature, have the same mind. Throughout these passages that we've read, we've talked about a common theme, forgetting. Forget the past. Don't think about the past. How do you forget the past? Well... he's not literally saying, forget the past. How do I know that? Well, in verse 13 and 14, he says, one thing I do, I forget it. But back in verse 4, he started a list where he recounted all those things (laughs) that he did, so he obviously didn't forget it. Otherwise, those verses wouldn't have been that. I was going to write something, but I forgot what it was. But it's about your evaluation. It's about how you consider those things. Consider the works of the Lord, like Ecclesiastes said. I I don't think about it the same way, in other words. I think that's a a better way of of understanding it, what he means by that. It's a deliberate forgetfulness. I'm not going to allow myself to dwell on it the way I tend to because when I do it will steal the happiness that comes through the things that I have now if Paul continues to think about how awesome it was to be a Pharisee and and all those accolades that he had and graduating at the top of his class and how wonderful it was to be Paul he's never going to enjoy the call that God had appointed him to, much like Jeremiah. All those, th- those tasks that God wanted to involve them in. Like you're going to have to forget your failures. You're going to have to forget whatever you thought was great about you. Paul and Jeremiah come from two completely different perspectives of themselves. Paul's like, whoo, look at me. Jeremiah's like, don't look at me. And God used both of them To contribute to our scriptures and to his kingdom. So, Paul looks at his past with a new set of eyes. He's forgotten his old perspective, in other words. So, he's had to overcome, really, in a sense, both sides of the equation. And Paul had successes and failures. Considering, considering my past, I was a persecutor of the church. Right? So there's the negative side. Paul, Paul has to kind of, he's got a double whammy. Some things, even if you put them in sepia tone, are not glamorous. We have to approach Our past with honesty. You have to look at life as it is. That's the challenge I want to leave with you today. You can't make the past worse than it is, but you can't make it better. It has to be looked at realistically. I need to look with fresh eyes at what is and what was. My failures existed. But they do not determine what I am today or what I can be or what God can do through me. They are simply failures on the road. They might have developed things in me. You had a failure and you're like, ooh, that was awful. And you might have pursued a different thing. Like you took wood's class and you, like no one knew what it was that you made. And you're like, okay, so woodworking not for me. <laughs> so, good times are a blessing from God in my past but they are not limited to my past God is doing good things today and if I focus on only the good things from my childhood I am going to miss a ton of stuff going on around me God, did, God didn't have all this good cool stuff that he was doing in 1985 that's not true So I need to engage reality, not just for myself, however. I want to encourage you in this direction that you need to look on others' behalf as well. We live in a world where this is more important maybe than in, a, in, a, in our recent past. There are a lot of Jeremiah's in our world and there may be Jeremiah's in this church. Young people have not been raised to honestly evaluate themselves. So many people in our society are lying to kids or simply not inputting anything at all into kids. And so they're being left to figure it out for themselves And they're coming to some drastically wrong conclusions. Whether it be just a lack of a nurturing environment. Or something deliberate and diabolical. Many have had the negative things about themselves emphasized again and again and again. And then, on the other hand, there are people being raised without any perspective of anything negative at all about themselves. That there's no correction of failure. We need to do better. This doesn't have to determine who you can be, but we've got to fix this thing. No, hands off. Our society is really screwed up in both areas. (laughs) How can you mess up in both areas? Well, we have a society that's figured it out. And they will not learn to improve and have a bright present and future. Unless, unless we give the correct perspective of their past. To let them honestly think about things. And it's vital that we do that. We who are mature, as Paul says. We who think like that. We who understand both sides of the equation. We But we can only do that for others if we're learning to do that ourselves. If we're learning to put my own life in perspective and look at reality.